Welcome to Where the Lotus Grows, Getting Dirty and Growing Strong with Kimberly Searle and Tanya Drew. As integrative sustainable movement educators and health advocates, our goal is to provide you with evidence-based information gathered from research, experts in the field, and our personal and professional experience to help you advocate for your own health and wellness. Our mission is to collaboratively navigate the thick, muddy waters of life to empower, accept, and cultivate our most authentic selves. Welcome to all of our Courageitarians out there who wear the Lotus Grows. I'm Tanya Drew. And I'm Kimberly Searle. Today's topic is Let Thy Food Be Thy Medicine, Health and the Importance of Nutrition. And this is a topic that I'm super passionate about, uh, but I have to throw the disclaimer out there like I do occasionally, like we do occasionally with all of the things. I am not a nutritionalist. I am not offering nutrition advice from a standpoint of how you can help yourself in this way. Um, But I am going to get on my soapbox a little bit (laughs) and talk about um, something that I feel really passionate about. So Hippocrates, Hippocrates, the ancient Greek physician, often thought of as the father of medicine, is often quoted saying, let thy food be thy medicine. And I don't know if he could have even possibly imagined how far society would evolve uh, away from that idea. So literally the SAD, standard American diet, is um, not to sound all doom and gloom, but is killing our species. So it's super frightening right now how much food or lack thereof what we've what we've come to know as food or what was kind of created as food that's not really food is affecting our bodies so uh, I want to take a look at how our bodies use and process food how we can become more healthy as a species by following the wise words of Hippocrates and letting food be our medicine um Not to get all high school biology on you, but I I just want to take a moment and refresh. The main purpose of food is to fuel a food is to fuel your body and your brain. So we need a wide range of vitamins, minerals, macronutrients that include fats, proteins, and carbohydrates to fuel ourselves. Um, Traditionally, these foods come from plants and animal sources. Currently, more and more foods are bioengineered, some for good and some not for good. So throwing it out there, how much food science has kind of come into play to make things super tasty and maybe even addictive, uh, but have little to no nutritional value, Um, is really contributing to many of the illnesses that we are seeing and more and more countries around the world are kind of following in keeping up with the standard American diet. So just to touch on some of the food related illnesses, obviously obesity, 
Um, and just in general, the packing on of extra calories and extra weight. And maybe that um, is also tied into sedentary lifestyle. But I really think that what we put into our bodies and availability of healthy food that's affordable is a big role here as far as um, obesity rates and the, the obesity affecting people who maybe have less access to nutritious food. Uh, cardiovascular and endocrine disorders, autoimmune deficiencies, food allergies, autism spectrum, and then just downright addiction. I think that some of our ways of eating, our lifestyle uh, effects tie directly into addiction. So... Yeah, I mean, I am not a nutritionist as well, but I can only speak from my experience and uh, I believe in whole foods mm -hmm. and I believe that all food groups fit. There's no good or bad food. The only foods that don't work for you are the ones that make you ill. So, sure. for example, if you have a peanut allergy, you're obviously not going to go eat peanuts. If you're a diabetic, you're obviously not going to go out and eat a bunch of sweets, you know. So finding out what those foods are uh, for you. Right. Well, and, and finding out how foods really tie into those things. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting. You, you brought up diabetes, of course, and food allergies, but... Um, some things, autoimmune deficiency, um, autism spectrum disorder, it's, it's really interesting how the reverse of this, how letting your food be your medicine has played a role in this. So um, I know a few people with some autoimmune disorders that uh, have related to gluten intolerance, um, dairy intolerance, um, and connections to other food related issues to where if they ingest these foods, then their body literally attacks itself and they have severe adverse reactions. Mm -hmm. um, I know of people who have drastically changed their child's uh, autism spectrum diagnosis by controlling their diet. Um, that said, I have had even some of my own experience with uh, working with kids with like ADHD and uh, diet. Um, my son, not diagnosed with a food related issue, but I just know for a fact that his behavior changes if he's exposed to too much sugar Um or sugar without, you know, some sort of protein to kind of mellow it out or fiber to kind of process it through the body. So really just thinking about how food affects you. Food affects your mood. Um, I really think in my own experience, I have had a tremendous amount of 
positive experience with changing my diet to include whole foods. And when I do have those occasional, and who doesn't, I'm not saying, I I may be on the soapbox, but I'm not saying that you shouldn't go enjoy something tasty every once in a while. And if that tasty thing is like a burger at Shake Shack, I think you should (laughs) do that. Um, But I found a tremendous amount of difference in how I feel physically based on what I eat. Yeah, I mean, you can track which foods bring you energy, which foods reduce your energy. Um, you know, I I like to think that I'm an intuitive eater and use the hunger scale. How full am I? When, I'm, when am I neutral? When am I over full? Um, and, you know, you can create a dialogue around that for yourself. So you know what's working for you, what's not working for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And connecting to that and really building on that, not just to say, you know, what you don't want to eat, but the foods that make you feel good and how you're fueling your body for specific things. You know, um, on days that I know that I have a lot going on and I have a lot of energy that I need to expel during the day, especially right now being pregnant, um, how I eat is really important, making sure I get enough protein, making sure that the um, carbohydrates that I'm taking in, you know, nothing beats the energy that you get from eating an apple. (laughs) You know, you get that little boost and it's something that's sweet, but it's something that's sustained and sticks with you. Um, I really think that it's played a huge role in my child and his disposition how he eats. Like I get comments all the time from people at the school and from friends and family, how well he eats and what he eats. And I can't believe he eats that. And I'm just like, well, we did this on purpose. This was intentional. You know, there was no uh, chicken nuggets (laughs) when he was little. Like it was very much like he ate what we ate and we ate whole healthy foods. And that was important for us. And it was important for him. And now, you know, when I ask, what do you want in your lunch? And he says a veggie sandwich. It's it's a point of pride with me, but also it's a point of, you know, he's taking good care of himself and he is um, creating habits that are going to last a lifetime for him. Additionally, because of his... Um, He has a neurogenic bladder and bowel tied directly to his uh, birth defect. Um, The way that he eats helps him to control all of that. And he knows that at six and a half, seven years old, that there are certain things that he can eat and certain things that if he eats it, then it's going to it's going to upset his tummy or it's going to make him have to, you know, go to the bathroom. And that's something that I don't think a lot of really young people are cognizant or aware of Mm -hmm. that he's already making choices for himself that, Oh no, I'm going to pass on that so that I don't have to be miserable later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that that that's learning that there's a difference in quality of food. Absolutely. Um, and I find that it helps me and that's not to say that I'm not, we joke, we, we went to grad school together we stress ate. Mm-hmm. It was important that we passed around 
dark chocolate in our classroom. <laughs> I know you didn't even know that I was allergic to certain things. Um, I didn't know that you had a chocolate allergy because you always ate the chocolate. I know, which was stress eating for me. And matter of fact, I was talking with a friend about it. And, um, you know, you and her both at the same time said, why did we not know that you were allergic to those things? You know, we we love you and we want to make sure we serve you food that you're not allergic to. And I said, well, I guess there are things that are very difficult to manage. And so I I manage how much of a reaction I'm going to have, which is really the wrong way to look at that as far as my own (laughs) self-care. And um, I appreciate both you and her pulling that out to me. Um, Yes, because I am allergic to uh, the cocoa bean and carob is better for me. We never knew. <laughs> and you never Do you turned see, down I, those I always, peanut butter cups, I know. The there's, little oh, I love the peanut so butter in those. Those are so good. Um, but, you know, I'd always share my chocolate to cut down on me eating the whole bar. <laughs> no, it makes sense. And, you know, my mom has celiacs. She has a really severe reaction to gluten intolerance. And I, uh, to gluten it's not just an intolerance. She has a, a physical allergic. She's ill when she has it. Twice in my life since this diagnosis, she has made the exception <laughs> and decided to choose being miserable and enjoy one of them. Um, specifically that I remember I, it's happened twice, but one that I really tie to, I had made a pineapple upside down cake mm. And she, it it was not gluten-free and it was, I'm usually very conscious and aware of this, but I had made it for my father-in-law had passed and it had been his favorite and I made it for the family. And she was just like, no, I have to do this because I haven't had this in years. And it's just one of those things that, and she, the poor thing, put herself through just a tremendous amount of pain. I don't think she's done it since, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) but put herself through a tremendous amount of pain. Just to enjoy that, um, that one little taste. And it was a really good cake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just to have that moment. So I think we all make choices sometimes when we know that something isn't going to agree with us. I am lactose intolerant, but occasionally an ice cream, Mm -hmm. you know, the there's many options now, <laughs> but it's not always the case. And sometimes, you know, on a hot summer day, it's worth it to indulge a little <laughs> bit. So I'm not judging that. The bigger important part of this is how do you let nutrition be your medicine? How do you heal yourself with nutrition? So this is a hot topic in general. Right now, I think there's a lot of people touting different diets. So just to run along the list, and this is going to sound a little overkill, um, but the different kind of diets depending, you know, and everybody's saying, oh, well, if you want to live longer, if you want to do better, you should be vegetarian, vegan, paleo, low carb, slow carb, ketogenic, blood type, Ayurvedic, Weight Watchers, Adkins, like all of these things are thrown at you for how to be healthier based on what you put into your body. Um, But I think in reality, there's pros and cons to all of them. And the better, some are better than others. I don't think there's any shame in what works for you. 
Um, I know plenty of people who are vegan and vegetarian for different reasons. And that diet works really well for them. I personally struggle with anemia if I don't eat meat of some form. Mm -hmm. And even though I am picky about where I get my meat, when we eat out in a restaurant, I eat very much like a vegetarian or a vegan I because I don't know where the meat comes from. But in my home, the meat is sourced from local farmers. I know how those animals were treated and what they were fed and how what their quality of life was. That helps me to justify and, and thankfully I'm privileged enough to be able to do that um, so that I can take what my body needs for this. Um, and I know people that don't need that and that that's okay. Um, I recently listened to a podcast with a girl who has such a severe autoimmune disorder that all she can eat is meat and greens. And she really has severe allergic reactions to everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I was at a, a training with someone and, um, you know, if you eat meat in the yoga community, some people have said they've had a bad experience because they're shamed for eating meat. Mm -hmm. And she was sitting at her table and she said, you know, I have an autoimmune disease. I need to eat meat in order to get my nutrients as anyone offended. And I felt bad that she needed to ask that because she needs to do what um, is good for her. You know, this kind of reminds me, I, someone suggested that I watch uh, the toxic puzzle. It was just, uh, shown at the Toledo Museum oh, you mentioned of that uh, Art. Mm-hmm. And they had someone come in. And I think, uh, you know, it's all about the Great Lakes area. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about um, these blue-green allergy blooms that we're having and the toxins that are occurring in our lakes and rivers and dams and lagoons. And it's really happening all over the world. But... Um, it's affecting this bacteria that's coming out of there is damaging, doing damage to our brain and our nervous system. And it's airborne getting into our wheat and it's also getting into the fish. And so I think that that's something to look at. And they're suggesting that we consider um, increasing amino acids um, and looking at that a little bit. So I think that that's going to be an interesting thing for us to watch and to see, you know, what comes of that over the coming months and years. I, I think that that's interesting, too. I think um, factory farming kind of plays into that similarly, That because mm-hmm. I mentioned, um, thankfully, being privileged enough to know where my meat is coming from, but also um, the fact that certain environmental factors beyond our control are affecting our agricultural supply and our meat supply. Um I find that attempting to eat a more plant-based diet, um, whole foods, like you said, not not taking anything away if you're able to to digest it, mm-hmm. um, but real food, traditional. Say, you foods. know, if you want the brownie, have the brownie because otherwise you're going to eat way more calories trying to eat around the need that you want the brownie but make the brownie at home with ingredients quality ingredients that you know what they are where they came from yes and And even get that love from making it yourself i I, you know no offense little debbie but i know that you didn't put the love into the brownie (laughs) that i put into the brownie to make it for my family yeah 
Um, and they say if you if you have a really tight budget um, for groceries, uh, they say to spend the money on a quality oil. Mm-hmm. And then then move to maybe the dirty dozen. Yep. The clean 15. You want to stay away from the dirty dozen. Yeah, right. So for those of you that don't know, um, uh, there are, and we can put it in the show notes, uh, 15 foods that are considered clean for eating non-organic, just conventional um, from anywhere in the world, uh, produce. And then there's the dirty dozen, to name a few, I think, tomatoes, peppers, berries especially, things that are heavily sprayed with pesticides or um, heavily treated with chemicals uh, or heavily genetically modified, those are the dirty dozen um, that you really want to consider buying organic or growing local yourself or finding at your local farmer's market versus purchasing from a supermarket where they've been um, modified or heavily sprayed. Um And I absolutely agree. Where I live, we have the Flint Farmer's Market that is close to us, and they have a tremendous variety of fresh vegetables. And um, another thing to think about as far as uh, keeping costs down is eating in season. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. So in November, don't buy the strawberries. They're not in season. They're more expensive. Stick to those root vegetables. Make yourself some pumpkin bread. (laughs) Eat what's in season for you in your area, if at all possible. Um, And and I'll freeze one in season so that if I want to make smoothies, I mean, that it does, it saves money. Absolutely. Well, and there's no shame in any frozen food. So all frozen foods are picked at their peak ripeness and frozen. If you have the ability to, to freeze foods or home can um then i think that that's wonderful too a way to be able to eat out of season Mm -hmm. but i'm thinking as i was thinking about going to the farmer's market and what to buy and what to purchase then you want to stick with eating in season um we eat pretty healthy and and a lot of the stuff that we ingest is organic and i have people ask me you know how do you afford that (laughs) and I and I've talked to some friends and you know my grocery bill isn't much different than many of my friends yes I buy um my husband and my dad still like cow's milk I can't do it but neither can my son but it's expensive to buy organic milk but at the same time we don't buy other beverages so we have the organic milk in the fridge and then we drink water <laughs> and coffee or tea. So there's no there's no money of our, our grocery budget is is buying a Coke or Pepsi or um, juices or anything like that. So I feel like that's how we're able to justify spending that extra money on something that's organic. Um, similarly, you know same thing if you're not buying Doritos that money can go towards something else maybe a little bit more fresh produce or that kind of thing so when you think about your budget how can you incorporate more real food and make it last longer like you said making things at home there's there's a lot to be said for making your own bread making your own sweets like yeah have the cookie have the brownie but make it yourself and then 
think of all the calories that you've burned just taking that, making the effort. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I make my breakfast every morning. And then usually on Sunday, I do food prep for the week where I make my lunches and my dinners. And um, I I know I freeze my own TV dinners. Mm -hmm. And that saves me money. And, you know, the, the times that I don't have time to eat or to, you know, cook because I'm working long days, I can still nourish myself and know that it's a good quality food. And something hot and ready for you. Mm-hmm. I in in preparing for the baby, I have and we had talks about this this weekend because our freezer went out and we had to do some emergency moving of things. Um, I've been meal prepping ahead specifically for the weeks after the baby's born, and I know I'm not going to feel like cooking, but I'm absolutely going to need to be nourishing myself in order to nurse and feed my baby. So how do I nourish my body um, when all I want to do is hop on the phone and call for takeout? Uh, so we've we've meal prepped a lot of things already ahead of time or recipes that I we, my family likes. I just make double right now and put the rest in a freezer container and put it in the freezer so that we have it for later. And I think that that's really helpful. But nutrition itself is something that I'm really passionate about. I really think that it affects your brain. It affects your body chemistry. It affects um, your physical body and your energy. And I think that all things in moderation, of course, but it can be a key component. And I think you and I have talked about this in the past, but it is worth it now to put good, healthy food into your body and to create good habits for your body, um, even though it seems more expensive than it is to deal with food-related illness later on and try to pay for that health care <laughs> later on in life when, um, when you've developed uh, issues related to that. Uh, So the importance of a healthy diet is most likely to include vegetables, fruits, whole grains, and maybe some lean meats. Getting back to those traditional forms of nutrients that fuel and nourish the body. Remembering that less is more and learning what you need to do for your body to function optimally. And um, that ties into a little intermittent fasting, which is something that I wanted to talk about, but I'm not currently doing because I'm growing a human. Um, But also not eating can be just as important as eating sometimes. And maybe we'll have a whole other episode on that sometime down the line. Uh, Just accepting that you may not need as much as you think. Avoid things that hurt or damage your digestive system or your cells. Work on your emotions and, and how they are linked to your food. We're all guilty of that stress eating. We're all guilty of that dopamine rush of the chocolate, even if it's not good for us. Kimberly. (laughs) Um, Practice mindfulness surrounding food preparation and eating and feed your soul as well as your body. I remember all whole foods fit. That's right. Is that a a Kimberly quote? (laughs) Thank you so much. If you'd like to share with us how uh, you let your food be your medicine, we'd love to hear from you. Come and check us out on wherethelotusgrows.com, where the lotus grows on all social media platforms. And of course, if you'd like to participate 
You can leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or the Google Play Store, wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to get a review and we will graciously share a little treat with you if you do. And if you'd like to contribute a little bit more, check out our Patreon on our website. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Where the Lotus Grows. Join us in further conversations. We believe that you bring valuable knowledge to this community. You can find us at wherethelotusgrows.com, Where the Lotus Grows on Instagram and Facebook, or Twitter, Where the Lotus G1, because we were not on top of that one. Remember that though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended to treat or diagnose. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.